going to continue in the book of Colossians. Evangelist Andy, what was his last name? Whatever. He was here. <laughs> he was here and preached a series of evangelistic revival messages from John chapter 1. And I have chosen to run off of that, develop what he started, and continue that. So I'm going to be with you this Sunday, not next Sunday, the following Sunday, and then I'm going to be with you again in October or September. I, I'd have to look at the calendar. But I want to continue in this First John study. And so if you'd turn in your Bibles, please, to First John chapter 2 and verse number 15 through 17. Some of you don't know me. I am Jeff Wallace. This is my lovely wife, Shirley, uh, that you've been praying for. Uh, she's had some physical issues, stomach issues, and digestive issues, and we're working through all that. But she's able to be with me today and be with you, and I just thank the Lord for that and your answered prayers. Also, we are gone on Sunday. That's why you don't see Shirley and I. You'll see us here on Wednesdays, but not Sundays, because we have a ministry to other churches that are in need of a pastor. When the pastor leaves or the pastor is asked to leave or whatever, and the church is vacant, we fill that void until they get another church in different churches. So really, we go into there, into the churches, work ourselves out of a job, and then we go up, pull our way and get someone else in there, and then we go to another church. So, Wellston is looking at an individual. I know many of you are wondering about that, where we're at. Yeah, we may, that ministry may be ending because they're seriously looking at a, at a guy and his wife to come and be their pastor. They're going to decide whether they want him to come or not to fill the pulpit for a week or two, and then they will decide if they want to go further with the guy. So uh, you might, I know you've been praying about that, many of you, so that's where the church is at, continue to pray. Uh, they need a full-time pastor, not just a retired guy that fills in on Sunday morning. So uh, just pray about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have today to open your word. And Lord, as we continue this study that Brother Andy started a couple months ago now, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts your truths, and we'll thank you for all you do. Lord, bless Pastor as he preaches at Davidson today. Fill him with your wisdom, with your power, with your understanding. Lord, lead and guide him as you lead and guide me today, Lord. Speak to me so I can speak to these people, I pray. And Lord, might they see you and not me this morning in this pulpit and understand what we'd have to share with them today, your word. So Lord, thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the opportunity we have. Speak to our hearts as only you can, Lord. It's not me, it's you. That's why I'm here. I am all about you. And you're all about me. And Lord, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, having just assured the believers of their many benefits that they have in Christ, John now warns the believers 
that he's addressing of the dangers of allowing the world's allurements to pull them away from their deep love and devotion that they have in Christ. You know, it's a struggle to remain lovingly devoted to Christ. How many of you find that that's, it's not always easy to have deep devotion for Christ and love for Christ and for, it to for you to remain there in your spiritual walk and life? I do. I find it hard in my life. I think we all do as Christians. Satan's going to make sure that things enter into our life to pull us away from where we need to be with Christ. Well, in 1911, circus stuntman Bobby Leach decided he was going to crawl into a steel barrel and go over Niagara Falls. Well, amazingly, the guy survived. But 15 years later, you know what happened? He was walking across the floor, hit an orange peel, slipped and fell and broke his leg. His leg did not heal. So eventually it had to be amputated. And then he caught gangrene and he died from it. It just goes to show us that it's not always the big things in life that trip us up. Sometimes it's the small things in life. And I want you to think about that. Take your outlines out of your bulletin if you would. They're in your bulletin. I shouldn't say out of your bulletin. Usually we put them uh, a separate sheet in there. They are on your bulletin. Take that and follow along. Fill in the blank as we go. It'll give you something to take home and to think about throughout the week. In 1 John chapter 2, that's where we're going to be this morning. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, we see that John is warning the believers of the dangers of slipping from their deeply rooted love and devotion for Christ as they sought to pursue the lesser things in life. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15 through 17. We read these words. Do not love the what? Good. Talk to me this morning. Do not love the world or the things that are in the what? The world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides, what's the word? Forever. Great portion of scripture, kind of straightforward. You see, John, in this portion of Scripture, I see that John lists several choices that a Christian makes that helps the Christian to remain firmly devoted to Christ. When we have trouble being devoted to Christ, we do well to remember these points that John covered. First of all, I want you to write down this. A Christian chooses to love God above all else. He chooses to love God above all else. 1 John chapter 15, the first part of that verse. Do not love, that means delight in or set our affection on the world or the things that are in the world. James chapter 4, in verse number 4 we read these words. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity? You know what that is? That's hatred. Hatred toward God. 
love, friendship with the world is hatred with God or toward God. Whatever, therefore, whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Boy, that's pretty powerful and straightforward, isn't it? But what is this world that it's talking about? Well, this word world means people or things that pull us away from God and where we need to be in our relationship with God. They pull us away from our love for God and help and causes us to spiritually stumble in this life. That's what it's talking about. I want you to take out your Bibles this morning. I've added a scripture that's not on the PowerPoint, Colossians chapter 1. There's a pew Bible. If you didn't bring one, please turn there. It's in, the, in, the, in front of you where you're seated. Pull out that Bible. If you're looking at a pew Bible, Colossians chapter 3. Let's go to chapter 3 and verse number 1. It's page number 749 in your pew Bible. I'll wait for a moment before you get there. How many are, of you are there? Good. I'm going to start. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are where? Above. Where Christ is, sitting, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. I want you to remember that phrase. Set your mind on things where? Above. Not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to, death your, uh, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desires, and covetousness. Covetousness and covetousness, which is idolatry, the things of this earth. You see, like Pastor said last week, Wednesday night, I think it was. He said, it's not so much the things that we, have, that we get, but the things that get us in life that harms us. And that's so true. Not necessarily the things we have in this life and that we possess in this life. It's when those things possess us and own us that we've got issues. I like what one commentator said. He said this. There are two great moments in a person's life. You know what they are? The time they're born, the day they're born, and then the moment they realize why they were born. Good statement, isn't it? And those are the two greatest moments. They were the two greatest moments in my life. So why were you born? Why was I born? To see how much we can collect down here? Is that why we were born? Well, in Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse number 5, God tells us the purpose of why we were born. He says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. You see, loving God is to be the highest priority we have in life. Over and above everything else. But that kind of runs contrary 
to us, doesn't it? And our way of thinking. It really does. To love God over and above everything, that's not a natural thing for us to do. So because it's not a natural thing for us to do, God needs to help us out through a transformational working within us. And his transformational work begins the moment we're saved. God's Holy Spirit starts this transformational work. The moment we turn from our sin and believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul described this work in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 13. He said this, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do his good purpose. Why do we want to do things that are contrary to what we want to do? Because God works within our hearts and lives. And as we submit to him, he not only gives us that desire to do them, he gives us the will or the ability to do his will. That's what the Apostle Paul was saying here. You see, as Christians, we're continually being pressured by society around us to abandon our love and devotion for Christ and for our Heavenly Father. You know why they want us to abandon it? So we adopt their system of values and goals. And their system of values and goals differs from what God has for us to pursue. But what if we would do that? Have you ever thought about that? What if we would abandon that for the world's system and what they feel is important in life? You know what it'd be like? Trading in our home for a box. It'd be like trading in a, our car for a flat tire. It would be like trading a diamond ring in for one from a gumball machine. Yeah, a vending machine. It wouldn't make any sense, would it? But yet, as believers, sometimes we struggle. And we tend to drift away from that position we have in Christ. And drift away from that love and devotion we have for God the Father for all these things, all this stuff in life. You see, people around us are grabbing for all kinds of things in their pursuit of happiness and fulfillment. They really are. But you know what? It leaves them empty in the end. It leaves them disappointed in the end. Because nothing in this life, get this, nothing in this life can give that inner peace that believers experience as they remain lovingly devoted to Jesus Christ, their Savior. Nothing can give them that satisfaction, that lasting peace that Jesus can give. Mark this down. A Christian chooses to live a God-connected and empowered life rather than a spiritually detached and self-empowered one. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15, the last part of that verse. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, it's never wise to abandon the spiritual things in our lives to pursue other things, no matter how right they may seem. 
We need to stay connected to Christ, not disconnected from him. We need to stay connected to God, not disconnected from him. Christ said this, and I like what the NIV, how the NIV words it, even though I use the New King James Version. It says this, remain in me. Christ said, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, what's the word? Remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear what? Much fruit. Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Disconnected from Christ, we can do very little. We can do things on our own. But yet, let me give you an example. A few of them. When I I neglect in my life having a personal time with God, in prayer and in God's word, then I've chosen to abandon something. His direction and insight in my life. And so do you. When I neglect attending church services, I've chosen to separate from God's institution of support and encouragement and spiritual growth. Not only does it affect my life, it affects other people's lives because I'm supposed to be there to be an encouragement to you. You're you're supposed to be here to be an encouragement to me, to one another. We encourage one another. We help one another. We support one another. We pray for one another. And by the way, some of you are here today and walking the face of the earth because this group has prayed for you. Amen? We need to give back. We need to gather together to pray and encourage others. When I neglect lovingly caring for my fellow brother and sisters in Christ, I've chosen to miss the blessing of serving others. And when I neglect the opportunity to give back a portion of my time, talent, or possessions to the Lord's work, I've missed out on one of the main purposes that God's created me for. And I become very unfulfilled in my life. And here you thought, That all these things that you accumulate in life gives you purpose and meaning. No. Why did God bless us with what he blessed us with? So we can give it away to people in need. So he can bless us with more. And he'll do that. I'm not going to say you give $100 away. And God's going to put another 100 in your pocket if God lays it on your heart. I'm not one of those preachers. I'm not one of those people that believe like that. But I'll guarantee you one thing. God will bless you for it. He'll bless you one way or another for it. And you'll be fulfilled in life more than if you would have kept it if God lays that on your heart. Or if God lays on your heart to help somebody that's in need. Maybe to go and give them a helping hand. Or... Maybe pray with them or encourage them. Listen, you walk away. So many times in my life, 
I've went to be a blessing and I've walked away blessed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's so true. You give yourself or what you have to other people and you walk away blessed. You want to be a blessing and that's why you do it because God laid it on your heart. But yet you walk away the one being blessed most. A lot of times. It's so true. You see, whenever we opt out of the spiritual for other things in life, it's always a losing proposition. You never are ahead. You always lose out. <clears throat> Mark this down. Christians choose to pursue God's will rather than the empty pleasures and practices of other people. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the who? Not of the Father, but is of the world. The lust of the flesh, what is that? Well, it's craving for all that's materialistic, selfish, self-focused, inconsiderate. And it's rather manipulative a lot of times. You see, it's these sinful cravings that are the root cause of every ungodly thought and action we have. Racism, prejudice, jealousy, hatred, covetousness, the lust of the eyes. What's that have to do with? Everything which lures our eyes to seduce our minds. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You know when we become spiritually restless? When we allow our minds to wander places that they shouldn't wander. Isn't that true? That's when we're in a bad way. It's when we allow our minds to wander in places they should not go. Listen, change channels. Change channels mentally. Keep your mind stayed on God and what is godly. Change our minds. You know a prayer I pray? It's a prayer, and I think I shared it with you before. It's a prayer you probably should pray. And that's this. Lord, I really don't want to go where you want me to go mentally. Come on, be truthful. Be truthful, be honest. Sometimes we like thinking about things we shouldn't be thinking about. Or about people in ways we shouldn't think about them, right? How many of you, being honest, would say, I find myself there once in a while? Come on. We all do. We all do. But yet I pray this. Lord, my mind is going in a direction that it shouldn't go. I'm thinking in ways I shouldn't think. Lord, change my mind even though I don't want it to be changed. You know how huge of a prayer that is? And I'll guarantee you one thing. If you pray that sincerely, God will change your mind. I'll guarantee it. He'll change your mind.
That's what we need to pray. That's how we need to pray. That's how we need to be in life. Because we aren't always right with God. We aren't always thinking the way he wants us to think. And then the pride of life. That's the glorification of ourselves or what we have or what we've attained rather than giving God the glory. Listen, in and of ourselves, the truth of the matter is we have nothing to boast about because all we are, all we have, all we accomplish is because of God and God alone. That's it. It's not because of us. Our lives are not to be about us. They're to be about him, amen? And when they're about him, we aren't self-focused. We're God-focused and others-focused. And that's where he wants us to be. You see, he is the one who created us. He's the one that gives us our talent and ability. And we should be careful to give him the credit for all we are and all we accomplish and all we have and all we possess. In other words, we ought to be far more concerned about God's gratification than we are our own. Many times we want people to compliment us. We want people to look at us. One commentator said this, and I like it. All the vanity of this evil world with its devices is passing away. It has already begun to putrefy. It is a corpse not yet buried, but the person who really does the will of God has the breath of eternal life. That's a powerful statement. James chapter 4 and verse number 13. Come now you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make profit. Whereas you don't know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. A vapor. A breath on a cold morning that appears and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say this. If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is what? It is sin. If we do things we know we shouldn't do, think in ways we shouldn't think, go after things we shouldn't go after, it's sin. But if we neglect to do the good that God tells us to do, it's just as much of a sin. It's a sin of neglect. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemies, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, divisors, despisers of good, traitors, head strong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Some people do us more harm by sticking around them 
then they do good. There are certain individuals, I've got unsaved friends, but let me tell you, they're not my best friends, they're not my closest friends. They're my friends, but your closest friends should be those people that can lift you up to help you to become stronger, to help you to become everything that God wants you to be in your life. And if you're around people, especially you younger people, as you're going to start dating, and maybe some of you are dating, you need to watch who you hang out with, those boys, those girls, because if they aren't spiritually right with God, they're going to drag you away. They should be your friends, but not your best friends. Be on guard. We're talking about leaving the love and our deep love, affection, and devotion we have for Christ. And that is one thing that can draw us away. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. But know this. That in last days, perilous times will come. And we already read that. Mark this down. Christians choose to live an eternity conscious life. Christians are to live and choose to live an eternity conscious life. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, look at 1 John chapter 2, verse number 17. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides, how long? Forever. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 11. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to what? Awake out of our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us stop living like the world and living a Christ-like life is what it's talking about. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's pretty straightforward. There isn't a whole lot I need to comment about that. God tells us like it is and what we need to do. Put away those things that are ungodly in our lives. Live for God. Live for Christ. Why? Because time is short. Time is short. Time is going to end. We don't know how long we have. Our life is but a vapor that appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Make your days count for Christ. You don't know how many days you have left. If you're a believer, you're going to stand before Christ someday and give an account for how you lived your life for him. If you're a non-believer, you aren't even going to make heaven. Listen, you ought to be thinking about eternity. You ought to have eternity in mind, regardless of whether you're, if you're an unsaved person, you ought to have eternity in mind and get right with God and know for sure, walk out of this place knowing that you're on your way to heaven. You need to settle that today. It's the greatest decision you can make in your life and you ever will make. If you're a believer and you've kind of stumbled through this life, maybe living for the things of this life, 
Listen, life's short. Life's short. When is enough enough? You need to ask yourself that. When is what we have too much? You need to ask yourself that. Because you're going to stand before the Lord someday. And not only that, though you aren't going to be around to share the gospel with anybody and share the love of God with anybody once you're gone. You need to take advantage of those people that God allows to cross your path of life and be an encouragement and a blessing to those people. We need to think like God thinks. Time is short. Eternity is forever. There was a man who did a seminar one day, and he was speaking before a large crowd of people. On a few tables, I have one. He had things that represent those things that we work so hard for in life to gain fulfillment in life, to gain pleasure in life. Things that we work so hard for. Maybe it's a vacation that you've always dreamed of. Maybe it's sports. Okay? Some people live for sports. And that's what their life is all about. Maybe it's education. I know some people that continually go to college all their lives. I knew one guy that went to college. He couldn't get enough college. He couldn't get enough degrees. That's what he lived for. Maybe it's that new car. Maybe it's that new toy. Maybe it's that new boat, that new motorcycle. Maybe it's your occupation. Maybe it's the latest technology that there is. And that's what you're really working for and striving for to bring you happiness and fulfillment in life. Maybe it's a new home or a different home. Or maybe it's retirement account or that savings account, that nest egg that you're putting away for future use. You see, people strive for all these things. But yet, the man that did the seminar had a roll of stickers and he said, you know, I don't know if you can see it or not, but each sticker has temporary written on it. The vacation is temporary. The sports are temporary. The car is temporary. All the toys that we work so hard for in this life are temporary. Technology, no matter how good it is, guess what? It's just temporary. Our houses, 
are just temporary. Our employment is just temporary. All that, those funds that we accumulate in that retirement fund, it's all just temporary. But you know what? This is temporary. This is temporary. This is temporary. You see, the truth of the matter is, if you're living and your life is all about these things, it's all temporary. And it's very unfulfilling and your life is going to be empty in the end if that's what you're living for. It is. It's all going to fade away. Oh, it might give you temporary satisfaction for a while. But in the end, when you breathe your last breath, these aren't really going to matter at all. They aren't going to really matter at all. You know what's going to matter? There's nothing that you can take with you in this room. Except one thing. One thing you can take with you in this room. Never forget it. Come on. Come on up here. You want to know what you can take with you into eternity? You can take people. Because that's what matters the most. People. Everything else is just temporary. It's just all you can go sit, sit down. It really doesn't matter a whole lot. Shirley and I had to ask ourselves a hard question when we moved up here. And that's what we had to go through things and say, what really matters in life? We moved from, I don't know what, what, what it was, three-bedroom home to a, a little 700-square-foot cabin, and that's where we live. But you know what? We're happy. And the stuff really didn't matter. Okay? You know what matters? My wife, my grandkids, you, people is what matters the most in my life now. The older I get, the more I realize that. Only one thing that matters. When you get to the end of your life and you take your last breath, what do you want your life to have been about? What will really matter the most in the eyes of God? People. Jude chapter, there's only one chapter, verse number 20 through 23. Building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ onto eternal life. And then we read, and some have compassion, making a distinction, some versions say difference, 
Listen, you know what makes a difference? Compassion. Love for God. Love for others. Love God. Remain God-connected and empowered in your life. Pursue God's will over and above all else. And live with eternity in mind.